Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 213 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Expansion necessarily requires more of everything, more hives, more bees and more queens. This week, I began the process of introducing new queens into the split colonies and of course, we also continued with the honey extraction. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk. Hi everyone, welcome back. I hope you're all well and enjoying this very busy period of the beekeeping season. I can't quite believe where all that time has gone. We're fast approaching June and the first major part of the season is almost over. Spring has been something of a whirlwind for us, a very steep learning curve and some very long days. Overall, I would say I'm very happy with the way things are progressing. Colony numbers have grown rapidly, albeit at the expense of the spring crop, but we've still had something of a decent honey crop from the oilseed rape and other spring flowering plants, most noticeably this spring, the hawthorn. I tried to count up the number of what I would call virtual colonies that we have so far. These are colonies that have been split in one form or another, something like an artificial swarm, a collected swarm, one like the recent video I posted where the swarm had moved beneath the floor of the hive because the queen had been clipped. Thank goodness for clipping this year. I would have lost far more swarms than I'd like to admit to if I'm honest. We've carried out multiple vertical splits and had some very mixed results. As usual, these cover the entire range of possible outcomes from the perfect split, which now has a lovely laying queen in it with several frames of sealed brood. Some, though, with queens just beginning to lay, and we await the visual checks on that brood pattern. And for those of you relatively new to beekeeping, the reason we check the brood pattern is to see that the queen is laying successfully with large areas of fertilised eggs. These are destined to become workers. Anything other than this in a newly mated queen could signal a problem, such as a drone-laying queen. So we wait and watch to see large areas of perfectly capped, light brown sealed brood, which is a great indicator that all is well. Then there are those splits that look as if they've failed for whatever reason. Grumpy, fidgety bees, the ones that roar when you smoke them as they beat their wings frantically, these are likeliest to be hopelessly queenless and will need a replacement queen in due course. At this point with these splits, there is a period of contemplation to be had. Rush in too quickly with a new queen purchased from a supplier and you run the risk of seeing her killed as the split already has a queen that just hasn't started to lay as yet. Leave it too long and they could well turn into egg-laying workers. It's a tense time for the beekeeper. Anyway, the number of virtual colonies, 
basically all of our hives which may or may not have laying queens in. I guess it's the potential total number of colonies, but that number is fast approaching 200. I can't quite be sure, as, and here's my biggest confession of the season so far, I haven't been keeping accurate records. I know, I know, I tell everyone to keep accurate records and then I don't do anything myself. I promise I'll get the diary out and start from tomorrow. I promise. Anyway, close to 200 colonies potential is fantastic when you consider we started with maybe 85. Okay, we bought in 50 in the spring, which gave us a huge boost. So a starting point of maybe 120-ish. But I'm really pleased with the splits we've made to get us up to nearly 200. There may well be several more splits to come, and I hope we may get something like 220 or maybe a few more. If I can just get it authorised by the other team member here at the Norfolk Honey Company, I may go for a few more, but this year honey is everything. And as I keep banging on about, resources are everything. And if I deplete colonies now in favour of more colonies, I'm running the risk they won't build up back into full strength in time to maximise the summer forage. The 50 colonies we bought in have pretty much all been split now. I think there were a couple that have since thrown up chronic bee paralysis virus and haven't made the cut as it were, but generally they've been a positive purchase and just this week I've been beginning the process of introducing new queens into splits. So when I say colonies that have chronic bee paralysis virus, those have not been split, just to clarify. But anyway, just to recap here, a couple of weeks ago we put in an additional brood box on these colonies to encourage expansion within each colony. For the most part, this has worked brilliantly, albeit at the cost of some spring honey production, but the system we now work seems to be just right for what we're trying to achieve. We take our parent colony, add a brood box, and leave it for a couple of weeks. Next, we add a queen excluder between both brood boxes, and also, if there are supers on the hive, a queen excluder between the top brood box and the supers. The purpose of this is to isolate the queen in one of those brood boxes. We left them for a week and then inspected. One of the brood boxes has eggs, that's the one with the queen in it, and the other one has no eggs. The eggless box becomes our split. The queen remains in the brood box in the same hive position, but the second box is moved away a few metres, set on a new floor and given a new roof. This then is our queenless colony, ready for the introduction of the new queen. I really wanted to be able to say it was hopelessly queenless, but my timings have been a little bit out, and as a result these colonies have thrown up several queen cells, which absolutely must be removed before any queen introduction. Otherwise you run the risk of the introduction going completely wrong and the new expensive queen being killed. What I needed to have done is set up the double brood with the queen excluders maybe a week earlier. This would have meant there would be no viable larvae in the queenless box that the workers could produce queen cells from, thus making them hopelessly queenless and ready to accept that new queen. So each of these splits had an amount of brood in various stages of development, some very young, hence the queen cells, 
and some capped and nearly ready to emerge. I was asked why I had left the splits in the same apiary and only a few metres away from the parent colony. This forms part of my master plan to get 100% acceptance from these splits of their new queens. I want all of the older flying bees to find their way back home to the parent colony, and I have a couple of reasons for this. Firstly, I want to ensure that the parent colony has plenty of bees to populate the now depleted numbers and be able to maintain the necessary brood nest temperatures required in the old colony as the queen will still be laying and very young brood needs constant attention. The second reason is that I want to remove as many older bees from the splits as possible so that the remaining bees have very little association with their old queen. Many of these bees will only just be emerging and have no idea who their queen is and that's just perfect. A newly introduced queen should have a greater chance of acceptance if the bees in the hive only know her as their queen. At least that's my way of thinking about it. We'll find out next week. I'm actually going for a fairly long-winded introduction of these new queens as I've not always been terribly successful with them. I've knocked down any last-minute emergency queen cells and suspended the queen cage in the hives, simply using a cocktail stick, but I've not yet broken the little tab at the base of the cage to allow the queen to be released. It's now two days later and I'm planning to go back this afternoon to remove that tab and let them tunnel their way out. No doubt the workers in the hive will tunnel in towards the queen to assist them. I'm hoping that by now they will all be the best of friends and upon meeting in that small fondant tunnel it will be all smiles and welcomes, not aggression and fighting. The temptation is to shortcut the process and if the workers in the hives are not acting aggressively towards the queens, I can simply slide the cover off the cage and release her onto a frame. It is tempting because it would give the new queen a couple of extra days, perhaps, to start laying. I guess in the big scheme of things, though, it won't make too much difference and I should stick with my plan. I'll report back once the results are in. Please keep your fingers crossed for me, though. In other queen-rearing news, I've been playing around with the queens I produced recently when I grafted some young larvae into the JZBZ cell cups. It wasn't a total disaster, but actually near enough. I only had five queen cells develop from around 24 grafts, and of those, one was dead in the cell. I like the JZBZ cell cups because you can see into the cell through the opaque plastic cups and actually see a live queen moving around inside. We've placed these into hopelessly queenless colonies and await their mating. And this is one of my dilemmas. Producing our own queens is all well and good, but the process is time-consuming and lengthy. It's been a couple of weeks since grafting, and now we have to wait another couple of weeks to see if the virgin queens get to mate properly and start laying. Those eggs will take another 21 days to emerge, and so the entire process could be up to two months from start to finish. That's about half of my beekeeping season. Well, maybe not quite half, but you get my point. Maybe next year we'll be better prepared, get an early start, and be more focused on queen rearing. Again, with so much focus on honey production this year, I didn't want to divert resources away and into queen rearing, 
with luck, we'll have plenty of colonies next year for all of our projects. Thinking about the honey production and our spring crop, I've still got work to do. I messed up a little this year in that I tried to get brood frames drawn early to use with these other new colonies, and I wanted to extract the honey first before giving the frames back to those colonies. Unfortunately, I started too early, and some of the frames have granulated before I can extract, so they've had to be cut out. We did, however, get a good number of the honeypore brood boxes drawn and extracted. These actually went on a little later, so there's a little learning experience to remember. Don't put brood boxes on oilseed rape too early. I actually knew that, but just got a little eager, I think. Back at the honey room, it's all getting a little sticky. I really have been caught out by just how much honey I'm extracting this spring, which is the good news, but as expected, there are many supers with granulated honey in that has to be cut out. I'm not so worried about this as it does give me a little time to get round to sorting it. The biggest issue here, I think, is going to be cutting it out before any wax moth takes hold. The supers do have a little pollen in them and that's what the wax moth are looking for. Another week and I hope to have it all sorted. Then I can get the place cleaned up and prepared for the summer honey extraction. I'm now also beginning to prepare for the move to the borage sites. It won't be long before the summer flow will begin, and I'd like to have all of the colonies settled well in advance. This means arranging pallets to be placed in exact positions for the hives. I'm lucky in that the farmers are happy to help out with this, so we don't have to worry about hives being on the ground or having to take some kind of stand for them. We get around three hives per pallet and place them in groups of 21 or thereabouts. This makes for a nice group to inspect in terms of numbers before a break for a drink or maybe even lunch, albeit a quick lunch. You can't hang around with so many hives to inspect. We're going to be on a 10-day inspection routine as we have clipped queens, so it will be interesting to see how we fare. I'm hoping that having so many young queens will mean the amount of swarming will be minimal and in most cases non-existent. Part of the move to the summer locations will involve a larger than normal number of supers, not helped by the fact that we have so many different hive types. I must seriously consider whether to continue with anything other than the Langstroth for honey production, as it just makes life so difficult and I need to work smarter because I'm not sure that I can work any harder. On that note, I need to get my backside out of this seat and into the truck. Time to head off to get those queens released. Have a fun beekeeping week. I'll catch up with you all again next time. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Beekeeping short and sweet.